get our Bible, please. Get your Bible in your hand and let's go to, uh, let's start with Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Let's begin with Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And then we're going to park and camp in 2 Peter chapter number 1 uh, today as well. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. If you have been a believer for more than a year, you should know the scripture. If you've been a believer for more than 10 years, you should be able to memorize the scripture. If you've been believed for 20 years, you should be able to quote the scripture from memory. Amen. It's a very familiar portion of scripture, and it's actually critical to your spiritual growth. And it's vital for your identity as well to know the scripture. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation of the Bible. So it might be a little bit different from your Bible. I'm going to read it. We're going to pray. Then we're going to get into our word for today, which I believe is going to be an amazing word that is going to position you as you continue to fulfill God's assignment for your life. So in the New Living Translation of Matthew 16, verse 18, it says, Now I say to you that you are Peter which means rock, and upon this rock, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. The safest place to be is in the church after reading a text like that. Let us pray together. Father, we thank you that you are building your church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Father, ask for your anointing on this message and on this word. As you have given it to me, Lord God, I pray you help me to deliver it. It is vital in a time of which we are living in, God, that we hear prophetic words that are from your throne. Your people, Lord God, are asking for direction. They want to know where does my faith rest in. And Father, we thank you that you still rule and reign. And let it not just be something we quote from memory, but let it be something that is part of who we are because we know who you are. So bless our time together. And those who would watch this, if it's shared or if they are moving through Facebook or the different platforms, that they will come upon this message. I pray, God, that you'll speak to them right where they are as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, today's message as we continue on our assignment, it is a prophetic picture of church lights. Prophetic picture of church lights. I want you to know that we're in this thing together. (laughs) Someone say amen to that over here. (laughs) We're in this relationship with God Together, It is you, me, and us. And so as I begin to share with you, I want to um, let you know how we got here and the importance of it is that these five powerful life-changing truths that begin with God that we've shared over the last couple of weeks, especially from December 20th, we shared and we talked about it. And we again talked about the next Sunday, and I talked about it again um, last week. And it's 
vital that I encourage you that everybody you meet, sit down with them for a cup of coffee and ask them these five questions. Do you know that God is with us? Do you know that God is with you? It's a great question to start with. And you may be saying, why do you keep repeating this over and over and over again? Because here's why. It's one thing for us to be saved, but it's nothing for us to shine. And so you can be saved and you can be a private citizen of the kingdom. You can find that in the scripture, unfortunately. There are people that were religious, and they didn't want the establishment to know that they were part of this movement called the way. And so because they wanted their position, they kept it private. And so I love how the Bible just called them out. The Bible will call you out, by the way. If you read the scripture, it will call you out. Some, it'll call you out, and you will feel condemned because you don't Know that God is with you. But for us who understands that God is doing a work in us, we welcome God calling us out. We want God to work inside of us and bring transformation to us. Come on, how many of you are not what you used to be? Come on. And the neighbor beside you, thank God for that. Come on, because if you were who you used to be, hmm, trouble in the neighborhood. Amen, somebody. So. Thank God you're not who you used to be, but you're not who you want to be. And so you're making process. And so we're in this thing together because it's you, me, and us. And so these five powerful life-changing truths are something that you really need to to dive into because they're going to be able to get you to understand what I mean by you, me, and us. Because when you answer these five questions, you're bringing them back to the book of Genesis. You are. You're bringing them to the book of Genesis. And I was telling my wife, and I said, I know you already know this, honey, but let me share this revelation that that I got. I know you already know it, but but thank you for giving me grace to catch up to, to where you're at. And I said, I said, honey... Um, I said, it's interesting that when people come to know Jesus, we automatically bring them back to either Genesis chapter 4 about sin is at the door, right? And you got to master it. Or we bring them, if you're really, really in depth with God, you go back to at least Genesis chapter 3 where you're tempted by the enemy. And that's where we start this journey when somebody gets saved. We tell them, well, we're just humans. And we tell them that it's never going to be something. You're going to have to deal with this. And when you really, really get a hold of it, it becomes a diagnosis now. You know what I mean? And it becomes a disorder. And so we look at Genesis chapter 4, and we're giving all these categories, these names to it. And God is saying, go deeper and go back to Genesis chapter 1. Go back to where there was a fellowship. Go back to where we were having conversation. Because when you get to that place, know that God is with you. And that God loves you. And that God's mercy keeps you. You're no longer working for salvation. You're working from salvation. And that's what separates Christianity from every other religion. Is that they got to work to appease some God. But for us who are believers, come on, it's because what he did for us, why we want to get to a place of fellowship and great harmony with God Almighty. So listen, there is works that you have to do, but it's not works to try to get God's approval. No, it's because you know who God is. You go from a place of saying, God, because of what you did for me, I'm not only saved, I'm now going to shine. You gave me life. 
But now you tell me to be light. Oh, come on. Oh, you got to get that because light is found in Genesis chapter 1 where it says, let there be light. And so if you want to just stay in Genesis chapter 4 where you're battling with life and the issues and things that happen. Listen, life is complicated, but God is not. Make it back to Genesis chapter 1, will you? Because what the world needs is light. The world needs direction. And so we look at that and. And so now we get to this place of where Jesus comes, who is the light. And so now he gives us this, this picture of this word called church, the ecclesia, the, the called out ones, the ones who are called out of darkness. These are the ones that says, let us do life together. He called you out. And so you and I are part of the family of God. You really are. You're part of the family of God. And I can prove this from scripture that your spiritual family is far more important than even your biological family. Mm. Because if your family member don't know Jesus, I'm talking about a genuine relationship with God, not just in head knowledge because they were taught it as a child. I'm talking about if they don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior in their heart, and God forbid they should die, they're not going to be in heaven with Jesus. That's the Bible. That ought to get us. To preach the gospel then to everybody. Because we understand that that's the ultimate death is to be separated from God. But you and I, those who are born again, those who know Christ, we're going to be in heaven together. You thought this was worship. Oh, come on. You thought this was something for 45 minutes. There's angels in heaven who are continually worshiping God Almighty. And so we have, to, we have to recognize the importance of it. And so we, we are family. And I'm going somewhere with this because we have to recognize that we have a purpose. And here Jesus in Matthew 16 asked the question to the disciples. says, you have been amongst the people. You have been amongst the people of the world. You who I've called as my disciple. You have when I'm sleeping or, or I'm not around and you're doing things. What are people saying? What are people whispering in your ears about me? Mm-hmm. Are they asking you life-changing truth? What did they say that I am, this, this rabbi, this one that didn't come through the normal channels? Come on. Who, who, who do they say that I am? And so every single year, as we begin a new year, this question is being asked of the world. It's being asked of who is this Jesus that you all are coming together, separate, you know, coming together, celebrating together? Who is this? It's a question of identity. It's vital. It's important. And so here it is that Jesus paints a picture. And so what happens now, he, people answer the questions. Well, well, some say you're John the Baptist and some say that you're a prophet and some say you're this and you're a miracle worker. Some say you're a liar. Some say you're a legend. Some say that you're a fairy tale. Some people are saying various things. Do we know what people are saying about Jesus? You got to know. You got to know what people are saying about Jesus, not just to be informed, but to be able to empower, to be able to influence. If you want to shine your light, you've got to know what people are saying about Jesus. Because if they're believing a lie, they're empowering the liar to continue to rule and reign in their life. And nobody wants to be controlled by the enemy. Nobody wants to be controlled by the enemy. Oh, no. You want to be free? Someone say free. free. Yeah, to be free, you've got to know. Who Jesus is. And so, and so Peter comes on and Peter now says, 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 but you are the Christ, the son of the living God. 
And Jesus says something profound. He said, flesh and blood did not reveal to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Oh, come on. Come on. God heard a confession. Come on. And Christ knew the source of that confession. Because Jesus recognized the voice of the Father. And so you want to listen as people are confessing because you want to know if that confession is not from God, it is going to bring destruction because there's power in your words. Come on. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So you want to know where did that confession come from? And so if that confession comes from the Father, come in agreement with it. But if it didn't come from the Father, you don't want to come in agreement with that. You want to let them know if I don't change your belief, your behavior will be one that won't be in line with God. So you want to talk to people to hear what they're confessing. Not to have arguments, but to hear what they're confessing. You want to talk to people because some people are struggling. They're confessing that God doesn't love me or, or this or that or, or an experience they had. And here we have life, but we don't have light. And so we can associate with them, right? Because we don't want them to feel like we don't relate to them. And so we can associate with them. But if we don't turn the light on, they won't be able to see their experience in the light of God's word. And so that experience can become their truth, which becomes a stronghold, as opposed to you being a light to come and shed light on the situation. And how you shed light on the situation is that you need to paint prophetic pictures. You've got to know the scriptures to do this because he goes and he says now that you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Upon this confession, I will build my church. And he says this, and all the powers, not just some, all the powers of hell will not conquer it. There is no demonic spirit, come on, in this nation that can destroy the church. It can destroy other institutions. But it cannot, will not destroy the church. So the safest place for you to be is in the church. The safest place for you to be is in the church. Let me say it again. The safest place for you to be is in the church. Not in a bunker, come on. But in the church. It's the safest place for you to be. Because it's from there... You then encounter other people with the same confession. And because you're hearing their confession as they are praising God or making declarations, there might be an area in your life where you realize, because God is no respecter of person, if that person is proclaiming that God is this, then guess what? What is true? What they're proclaiming is much more a reality than what I'm going through. And so somebody can come and they can see and they can say, let me paint a prophetic picture for you. And they can share what God has put in their heart. And so what the enemy meant for evil, God meant it for good. We need you, me, and us. That's the point. That's the point. And so what we're looking for are people who just don't know God. We're looking for people who have a genuine, loving relationship with him. So, so that's you. That's you, that's me, that's those who are watching online. If you can say, Pastor Roe, I have a genuine, loving relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this question. I saw this on a post on Instagram. I thought it was really cool. If that's the case then, how much darker does it have to get for kingdom people to take their rightful place and start to shine? 
And if that's the case, what I've just outlined for you, how much darker does it have to get before we realize I'm saved, but I'm not shining my light? And so Jesus gives us this picture and he says, it's important because here is our assignment. Here is why we exist. Randy Remington, who is the president of Foursquare International Church, when he said this, he wasn't the president yet. But he made this statement as he was preaching the message entitled Penetrating the Darkness. As I was studying this message, gives the, the, the president of the, of the Foursquare organization, and I'm listening to him preach, and, and he says this. He says, we have a vital task to accomplish. You, me, us. And there are times when we don't want to take responsibility. And so, okay, no, I just want to come and be comfortable. But God is saying, no, you must shine your light. We have to shine our light. And so he begins, he says, the church is the only entity given both the authority and power to deliver people. And we cannot fail to fulfill or undertake our responsibility. So you're saved. But the question is, are you shining bright? And so he paints a picture of this prophetic light that we have to do. And, and so that's the question. Do you know your assignment? Do you know the task that's before you? I want you to just take a second. And if you don't know your assignment, I want you this week, this month to say, God, I need for you to give me a prophetic word of my assignment. I exist for a purpose. I exist to accomplish your will. I'm not just going to enjoy the spoils of your victory. Come on. I'm going to shine my light so other people can come now and experience the, 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 the provision and the blessing that's available. The Bible talks about these two leopards, and, and I believe there's two of them. And, and, so, and so there was this army that, that came and raided them and, and took all the spoils. And all of a sudden, the, the people that were there, they heard some noise. They heard some, some things going on. God miraculously did something, and they all left. And here came the two leopards, and they're enjoying the spoils of the camp. Because when they heard the sound, they left all the stuff that's there, and they took off. And here came these two leopards, and they were like, oh, my goodness. And they're feasting on all the stuff and they're feasting on all the spoils and they're like look at this look what God has done and all of a sudden they realize how can we not share this how could we be the ones who have the answer and not go back and tell people how they can come and feast off what's happening and so we have to go and we have to realize that we are called by God to do these things and so because he said upon this rock Peter I'll build my church here is Peter now in second Peter chapter 1 Verse 19, and there's three things I want us to learn from this prophetic picture of church. Like there's three things. Write these things down. The first thing is this. As a church, and the picture of the church lights, is that our desire is to please God like Jesus. That's the first thing. We want to please God like Jesus. It's not just, please God, do something for me. No, no, no. It's I want to please God like Jesus. The next thing that we have to understand is this. The second point is this. You will do well this year. Watch this now. In 2021, you will do well this year if you pay attention. Mm -hmm. If you pay attention this year in 2021, to a prophetic picture of the church light, I can promise you this based on the word of God that you will do well. Come on. 
That no matter what situation, no matter what circumstance you're going to find yourself in, you will succeed. You will prosper. Why is that? Because that's what Jesus says. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So either Jesus is right and the word is true or it's all a lie. We, we got to get to that place now. Well, we can't be, li- oh, I don't know. No, it's either it's all true or it's all a bunch of lies. Can I might as well go back to partying the world if it's a bunch of lies? But if it's true, then something's a change in me then. Come on. That for my light to shine, people say, how are you doing so well? <laughs> how are you not losing your mind? Because I got the mind of Christ. I lost my mind a long time ago. <laughs> Come on. I figured that out real quick. I lost my mind a long time ago. I have the peace of God on my mind now. And so you do well to pay attention because there's moments we're missing. Oh, come on. There's moments we're missing. But you will do well this year to pay attention. God is at work. God is moving. Come on. And guess what? You're the evidence of God at work. Come on. In your life, you will do well to pay attention to this. He's restoring things. He's redeeming things. He's renewing things. He's releasing things. Come on. Who needs a renewal? Who needs a refreshing from the presence of the Lord God Almighty? Come on. That dream that's inside of you. I know you look back at 2020, but I'm telling you, dream again, baby. Come on. Because upon this rock, I will build my church. You will do well this year to pay attention. And number three, number three, this is our season. This is our season to shine in a dark place. Oh, God Almighty. God wants to show you off. Mm. Have you considered my servant, Joel? Put your name in that. Come on. Consider the one who pleases me. And so now we go back to our first one. And I want this statement to really sink into you. Our faith, our faith primarily rest in what God has said, not what we experience. Write that down to get in your mind. Because he's going back to Genesis 3. He's saying the enemy, bless you, will always get to a place of asking you two questions. He will always come after your personal relationship with God and the prophetic word of God. He will always go after those two things. Everything else, everything else is material. Everything else is the tool. Come on. But the two things he'll go after, those two things right there. Did God say? And you will be like God. He goes after those two things. When your kids rebel, it's those things going after. When everything is falling apart, he's always going. Will you trust God now? Look what's going on. He loves the blame game. Come on, he's the accuser of the brethren. He loves to accuse you. He loves to accuse God of stuff. And he's saying is this, that your faith must rest in what God said and not what we experience. I couldn't survive. Come from another country to come here without this word being the case. Knowing that God has sent me here. Knowing that God has sent me here for the times when it was a challenge, a difficulty going back and forth. And when we moved back to Mary, we were driving. And I said, babe, God sent us to the city to be a light. And we came full circle. Look at God. Full circle 21 years ago. Pastor, you keep saying it. Yeah, because I'm building my faith. Come on. 
I already heard it, but it's my story. And I hope I want to encourage you to realize that God is at work in your life. And so your faith must rest in what God has said. So even if it's just one scripture, Jesus wept, write it down. Come on. Because something may have died that you're thinking, oh, my goodness, it's over. But Jesus wept. So in other words, God cares about your dreams. Come on. And he cries over and says, I got to go raise it up. Come on. See, when you get a prophetic picture of that, it's not just about Lazarus being resurrected. It's about him saying, I am the resurrection and the life. Come on. What are the things that, that in 2020 has passed? What are those things? And so we have to look at our faith that's so much bigger because we're still here. We're still here, body of Christ. We are still here. We are still breathing. We woke up this morning, and so therefore we have a purpose. And so he wants to paint this picture for us, and he wants to recognize that before I can go any further, if I can actually explain this to you, you've got to understand that your faith must rest in what God said, what God promised you, God's word, and not what we experience. Not that your experience is not right. It's just that it can be misled for truth. See, the world system, let me give you the world system. The world system operates on good and evil. And so they judge what's good and evil, and they make laws based on what's good and what's evil. They go further now because the people see that they make laws of good and evil. We now go a step deeper into it, and we now look at what is right and wrong. And so what we believe to be right and wrong, we can then with a a number of people can change what is good and evil. Let me break this down for you again because you got to understand the depth of deception. And so we begin with good, uh, excuse me, um, um, good and evil, right? Good and evil. That's how we begin. What is good, we make laws for. What's good and what is evil. And so that, that, that's what to do. And so to, to control or to be able to have humans connect together and live together, we make laws. And so laws are established so that we can actually do life together. But when we go deeper, It's really about what's right and what's wrong. And if enough people, oh, come on, with enough money, oh, come on, can determine what is right and wrong, they can change then what is good and evil. And so institutions then can follow suit because the people are governing what's going on. But the church comes in now. Come on, somebody. Ah. And the church says, we determine truth from lie. Come on. Woo! And so we celebrate the truth. Come on. And we rebuke the lie. Because if we don't do that, it'll get to what's right and wrong. And if we don't do that, it'll get to what's good and evil. And we'll be messed up, jacked up as a nation. So the nation of the world is saying, can someone please tell me truth? Pilate even asked the question, what is truth? While I determine if it is right or wrong. Because the folks brought you here because of good and evil. Oh, come on, somebody. Ooh, I can just close my Bible right there and send you all home right there. That's it. Church, we determine what's truth from what's a lie. And that's how we have to operate. And so Jesus was the master. He only brought truth. He says, I am the truth. And so we look at him. And I have to admit, not everything Jesus has taught is easy to digest. I have to admit, I have to be honest with you, as much as I'm always smiling, I've got a great personality, 
there are some private, excuse me, there are some moments with Jesus where I'm just like, I'm not really liking you right now. To be honest with you. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't really, I'm, I'm, I'm not really feeling it right now. And he always comes back. I don't care if you like it. <laughs> It'll set you free. Ooh, okay. Oh, come on, somebody. Because one thing I know, I don't want to be back in bondage. One thing I know is I'd rather get a hard truth that sets me free. Come on. Than a loose lie that keeps me in bondage. You ought to write that down. I'd rather have a truth that sets me free. Come on. Than a lie that's loose and cause me to stay in bondage. Mm-hmm. And so. And so here's Peter now in Second Peter, and he says, listen, he's talking to these people who are struggling. He's saying to them, he goes, listen, um, I'm going to share with you my experience. I, 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 not only did Jesus say this to me, that upon this rock I'll build my church, not only, not only did I see him transfigured in, in front of me, he, he was metamorphosed in front of me, and I saw his face turn like sun. He says that doesn't mean anything because he fulfilled the word. So what Peter was saying was, listen, I had experiences with Jesus that I can tell you till I die. But the one thing that convinced me and the one thing that guaranteed my salvation is that Jesus fulfilled all the prophets. He's saying the word of God is far more of a guarantee than anybody's story. And so when Jesus told the story, and we tell people, tell people a story because they can relate to it, that's fine. But Jesus told story to bring about truth, not just tell your story to amuse you. And that's what moves it from just being a fairy tale to being truth, to connect to God, to painting a prophetic picture. So he would use illustrations that they would know as farmers and, and as fishermen, and he would do those things. It wasn't because he wanted to tell them he's a great storyteller. He wanted to recognize this is truth. And so he breaks it down and he says, he says, he fulfilled every single prophetic promise. So what Isaiah talked about was Jesus. What Moses talked about was Jesus. What, what, what David talked about was Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. Are you getting this picture? Everything is about Jesus. If it's not about Jesus, it is suspect to your bias and your experience. But when it's about Jesus, oh my goodness, it can be about transformation. So let me move on and watch this now. So go to John chapter 8, verse 29. John chapter 8, verse 29. We have to please God like Jesus. If we want to get a prophetic picture of of church lights, we have to please God like Jesus. So, So when people come into our gathering or they watch something online, they're going to ask you, why do you do what you do? You're going to tell them because we're going to please God more than men. Why is that? Well, because what Jesus did. I'm only going to do what Jesus did. And so the reason why we are here is because we're looking to please God like Jesus. So in John chapter 8, verse 29, the English Standard Version says this. And he who sent me is what? Oh, come on. He went back to the first five things I told you about. This is Jesus now. And he went back to a life-changing truth. That he who sent me is what? Is with me. Oh, come on. And he could have said, he who sent me is with you. And he did. And he who sent me is with us. So Jesus goes right back to that original life-changing truth again. And look what he says. He also says, he has not left me alone. Oh, come on. Oh, my goodness. Right there. 
He goes on and he says this now, for I'm always, I always do the things that are pleasing to him. He breaks it down. He says, listen, he says, the one who sent me, guess what? Who sent you? God. Who's the one that wanted you on this earth? It was God. He's the one that has sent you and he's with you and he has not left you alone. Why? Because you do the things that please him. Quote, the sacred bond, this sacred bond of pleasing the father, preceded all of Jesus' other relationships. So when he went to the wedding, he went because the father told him, go to the wedding. When he would do something, he was doing it because the father told him to do that. He had a blast, I believe, at the wedding. He had a great time. But he was there because the father sent him. So when temptations will come, he will know that he has the authority, come on, because the father is with him to tell the devil, you're a liar, Og. Let me break it down for you. In the temptation, he sent to the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. What did Jesus do? He knew his relationship with the father and he knew the word. It is written. It is written. It is written. The Bible said the spirit brought him in there. Come on. The spirit brought him there and he was able to walk away in victory. This is Jesus, 100% God, 100% man. And he's sitting there saying, the reason why I overcame the plans and the work and the schemes of the enemy was because God was with me. And I knew, I know his word. If you're facing a temptation right now, I want to let you know this. Protect your relationship with the father and you'll walk in the power to walk out that temptation. We will always be tempted. We'll always be tempted. Until so the enemy is finally destroyed forever in the lake of fire. We'll always be tempted. But here's the deal. We don't have to give in to the temptation. Why? Because we realize we want to please the Father because we understand I have to protect that relationship. So in other words, and I shared this last Sunday, why do you have convictions? I have convictions because I have to please and protect the Father. If it's up to me, of course I would give in. But my relationship with the Father is vital. Or hear me, somebody. So every decision Jesus made, every action he undertook, every word he spoke, every post. I'm not joking. He didn't post back then. But every single thing, he was able to look at it and to say, did you give him a piece of your mind or did you give him a piece of my mind? Mm-hmm. He's not saying you can't do it. Of course, you got the freedom. Put whatever you want. But he's saying, does that please God like Jesus? So you guys accept those questions. You see, when we come to the light is when transitions goes right. And the light shines bright in you, in me, in us. Okay, so here's the problem. So why do we struggle then to, to please God like Jesus? Here's why. Because we turn down the light. We turn on the light. You see, light exposes darkness. And we'll get to that in March. We'll look at the resurrection. Light also expels darkness. Now, that's outside. So light exposes darkness. Well, that's outside. That, that's the world. And light expels darkness, right? And, and that's, that's the world. It, just, it does that. But here's where the issue comes, why we turn down the light. Because light examines the dark places in us. So if we're going to please God like Jesus, light's going to shine to examine your heart, my heart. And so we don't want that. And so what we do is we, 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 don't, we don't turn off the light. We just turn it down. 
Because we turn on the light to set the mood. Come on. And so what he wants us to understand is this, is that when you turn down your light, what you are doing is that you're not giving people opportunity to ask you, what is the prophetic picture of the church? And right now what we're seeing is that the church has turned down the light. Not fully turned it off, God forbid. No, no, no. Just turned down a little bit. That's because perhaps maybe God is looking at the church. Perhaps where the scripture says that judgment first begins at the house of God. Perhaps maybe all this thing is happening for God to say, my light is examining the church first. Maybe that's what God is doing. And for those of us who welcomes the light, you're saying, yes, Lord, examine me, creating me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit in me. I welcome the examination because we go to a doctor, come on, to see if there's something wrong. I go to God, says, God, fix me, restore me, renew me, refresh me, examine me, see my motive. I want the prosperity that's promised, but I want to make sure I'm doing it right. Mature believers will say, send the light. And examine the dark place in my life. So here's what happens. So, so we come and the lights turn down, and you know, I mean, the lights turn down. He says, "Okay, are you gonna are you gonna confess Christ here?" And we turn it down. And and so, please understand that everybody has different personality when it comes to worship. And I'm gonna do a teaching on worship. Worship is not the singing of the music and the songs. That's just an expression of worship. Worship is really about a sacrifice. Come on. So it's not about your personality. Worship is about really God. I sacrifice this moment, this feeling. I sacrifice everything for you, Lord. Right, And so what we have to understand is this, is that we come together, and as we come together, and as we worship the Lord, as God is examining our hearts, it's examining the entire body of Christ. And we can come in together now, and we can say, we're supposed to be doing life together. Yes, but our lights are supposed to be shining together. Turn up your light. Turn up your light. Turn up your light by going into the word of God. Increase your Bible reading. Come on. Increase your devotion to God. Find a place. I don't care if it's five minutes or 50 minutes. Find a place where you're going to say, I'm going to read the Bible more this year than I did last year. Come on. Because I want to turn up the light. Turn up the light. But as a pastor, here's the problem that I find. This is the prophetic picture of the church. So not only are we dealing with those who turn down the light, we got to deal with those who are all tangled up. (laughs) And so because we're seasonal believers, we take down the lights and we put them away till next year. And while we're put away, come on, we get all tangled up. So here is what the world's looking at. A church that the lights are turned down and tangled up. Mm-hmm. turned down and tangled up. And so, you see, I, what's interesting is that is the reason why we're keeping the lights up here is because it's prophetic. I understand the season that we're in. But the Lord says you got to keep your light shining. And so this is what happens when you pull out next year. And that's why we spent a whole year just trying to untangle tangled up lights. And what happens is this, is that when we get it, we spend the majority of our time pulling them apart. 
And so, and so we're busy trying to say, no, you can't do that. No, but you're connected. You can't do this. And see what happens is, is that, is that people are plugged in. This is the plug. God, you're, you're creating God's image and God's likeness, but you're not connected. And God forbid we take some of you out. God forbid 2020, some people bailed and just said, I refuse to shine my light. I'm out. I am totally disconnected from God. And I'm going to go for my own thing over here. Come on. And you wonder why your light's not shining bright. And we're looking and we see something empty and we're trying to do. And God is like, hey, listen, I will leave the 99. I'll go after that one. So I'm coming after you. Come on. I know you got tangled up. I, I know, I know they turned out, but, but we got to go after you. Why? Because you have a prophetic voice. You need to be, you need to be connected back in. And the only way that you can leave is if you allow the enemy to cut you come on, and separate you from what flows. Come on. And hence, he says, the only sin is blasphemy is the Holy Spirit when you he says, now there's no way because I brought the father. Come on. I'm the father revealed myself and I brought my son and you didn't accept that. And now I'm bringing the Holy Spirit and you're saying the Holy Spirit that I'm doing things by Beelzebub. There, there's no, you have literally cut yourself off of the source that is going to keep you alive. And so therefore you're tangled up. And here's what we tell people. We, we, we get in the way of each other. We get in the way of each other. And so what happens is this, is that once you are tangled, it is so hard to untangle. And so this is this is the church. This is this is the church. And we're trying to where, where is where is that? You gotta work. I'm busy. I gotta I gotta we're doing current events, and so now the language of the church becomes the language of the world. And so now we're trying to find where where's that light? And you're here and you're you're, you're hidden. And we're trying to move, and, and, so, and so we just, we are, we are tangled up. We're tangled up. But see, in order to be disentangled, you must please the one who enlisted you and me. And so in 2 Timothy 2, verse 4, it says, no soldier. Oh, I'm a soldier. <laughs> well, that changes everything then. So the prophetic picture of the church is this, is that I'm a soldier. And so because I'm a soldier, what I have to recognize now is this, is that I'm not on a cruise ship. I'm in a battleship. Because a cruise ship, they cater to me. But in a battleship, come on. Mm-hmm, come on. Ah, in a battleship, I'm carrying warriors. In a battleship, we're taking territory. In a battleship, we are making sure that we tell them that we own the land. Come on, we own the air. Come on, we own the sea. Every single element is under our control. Why? Because that's what we said in Genesis. Have dominion over it. Have dominion over it. So this is where we are. And so how do I get untangled? How do I get disentangled? I got I to gotta realize that I no longer worry about civilian pursuits. My aim is to please the one who enlisted me. So now I'm going to pay attention to what he said. I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to pay attention because I realize this. Watch, watch them. I pay attention because it is always about, it will always be about the light. It will always be about that. I'll pay attention because the light shines in the darkness and the light always wins. The light doesn't lose. The light always wins. I pay attention because I realize that Jesus is the light of the world. 
In John chapter 8, verse 12, he says, again, Jesus spoke to him and said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So in other words, he's saying is light is part of who you are. Come on. That you are light. Now, you reflect the light. You are not the source of light. Light is part of who you are. So now, church, here's my challenge to you. My last point is this. This is our season to shine in a dark place. In 2 Peter, chapter number 1, verse 19, the only place where the word dark place is used in the Greek is right here. It's the only place. So in other words, we must be familiar with what we call dark times, darkness, and dark place. You see, a dark time is when you as the light is on assignment. And you get to a place now where your light is shining. But perhaps you're the only one, come on, that's there and the darkness seems to be overshadowing you. And the enemy is trying to tell you that he's prevailing. And so these are dark times that lead sometimes to depression. Depression that lead sometimes to isolation. We all go through dark times. A family member passes or a child leaves. There are times where we're like, I didn't even see that coming. I've been faithfully seeking the Lord. I've been faithfully doing what God's called me to do. And this happened. Those are dark times. And dark times, ready, develops your faith. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God, you're with me. You will go through valley moments. Come on. There will be dark times in your life because the enemy wants you to not confess Christ. He doesn't want you to confess his word. And so when you get into these dark times, we're like, I don't want nobody around me. I'm isolating myself from everybody else. Those are dark times. And if you stay there, you will get to a place of ultimate darkness. So there are moments like that. That's why you need the body of Christ. That's why you need other lights as well. That's why you need other people to come and say, listen, I know it's a dark time right now, and I'm going to be compassionate, but listen, you can't stay there. Come on, because the Bible said those who dwelled in darkness, a light has come. And so we've got to be able to ask each other, how are you doing? How are you being affected by what's going on? How are you relating? How are things? We've got to ask these questions. Why? Because people will face dark times in your life. I tried a business. It didn't work. I tried to do this. It didn't work. Dark times. And so here we are thinking, oh, my goodness. God, are you with me? And we need someone to come and be a light. But if we're tangled up, how are we going to be a light when we're, we're busy trying to get pulled apart? No, we have to be able to know that people are going to experience dark times. But it doesn't mean dark times last always. Amen. There comes a place where we walk out of it. There comes a place where we recognize that God has called us. But you see, darkness. Darkness is something totally different. Darkness is, is, is total separation. That's where evil, that's where demonic stuff exists. And let me, let me tell you something. We don't rust against flesh and blood, but against principles, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. In this nation and the nations of the world, we have entertained darkness. We have. We have entertained it. And when it manifests, we wonder what in the world is going on. You cannot entertain darkness. He don't play. He's out to take you out. 
So any form of darkness, we have to shed the light on it for the sake of a nation. Shine your light. So people can know that that's dangerous and that's destructive. And that behavior cannot be tolerated. But see, this dark place is something different. This dark place is where, is where, is where we want to examine our hearts because he says this is our season to shine in a dark place. So in other words, what he's saying is this. He's saying is this. The reason why you are a prophetic uh, picture of a church light is this. Let me break it down for you. Is this. That there are believers that needs to know. Watch this now. That in those places where I've been protecting. The place where I'm the most vulnerable. The place where I've been wounded because of life. I've neglected that area. Watch now. I don't want to deal with it anymore. The trauma, the thought, the things that happen. And so all of a sudden now, what I'm doing now is this. I'm finding a dark place. I've got into a place of, watch this now, my mindset now is poverty. And when he talks about this dark place, what he's saying is this, that this dark place means some place that is dirty. It's the dark side. It's not absolute darkness. No, so I'm not in this absolute darkness. No, no, it's a dark place of where there's been no light. It's been neglected. There is poverty in that. And so therefore, what Peter was saying was this, you've got to know a prophetic word because if you allow that place that is dark, that is dungy, that is filthy, what happens, it becomes a mindset. It becomes a stumbling block. It becomes a place that that's devoid of brightness and you're ineffective in your witness of what God is doing. And so watch this now. It is about the church being effective in what we are doing by shining our light. So this is the season. Come on for you and I to shine the light of Christ that we're realizing those dirty places. Come on. The light is going after those places. Why? Because it's been neglected. Come on. It's been neglected because of some trauma. It's been neglected because of some experience. But God is saying shine your light in those areas. So therefore you can let the devil know that God is still God and that God is on the throne and there's no place that I can hide from the light of God in my life. See, I'm not really concerned about the dark times. Of course, we're going to have those. But what we find are people in dark places. And Peter says, when you have a prophetic word, you shine like a lamp in those places of poverty in people's mind. Oh, God. Those places that we've neglected. He says, I want you to shine your light in those places. And in 2021, what an amazing time for us to be able to say, hold on a second here. While the enemy has been keeping me distracted, come on, in the dark times. And while the enemy has been messing with my mind in the darkness, I need to be a light that shines in a dark place. Those places, come on, where I can trust God to shine. Those dark places that's become dirty because of neglect and because of poverty. In other words, God is saying, you need to go and dust people off. Come on. Oh, and shine your light. Let them see the light of God's love. Let them see the light of God's patience. Let them see the light that God is doing in your life. So the question is, will you shine your light in dark places? 
Will you deal with poverty? Will you deal with neglect? Will you deal with those areas? Because if we don't, we will find people who are dirty. Come on. And we have to recognize that Jesus came as the light. So why does the church exist? It exists because we are a prophetic light that's shining in this dark world. I end with this. I will follow the light. Wherever it leads, I'm going to follow it. Wherever the light is shining, I'm going to follow it. In 2021. In 2021. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Oh, come on. If you want to get to the mountain, oh, Look at what God did to Abraham. He said, Abraham, the promised seed, that everything was okay. Here it was now that finally the seed came through a barren womb. Isaac was born. Praise God. Sarah's happy. Abraham's happy. Everybody's happy. Everybody's great. And then God comes in now. And says, Abraham, hey, God, what's up? Um, I want you to take your only son, your only son, and I want you to go and sacrifice him for me. What? You just gave him to me, God. And if we don't know scripture, Abraham came, come on, from a pagan background where child sacrifice was the norm. Come on. And so God is saying, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son for me. So Abraham had to deal with an experience. Come on. But with truth. Oh, good God Almighty. He had to recognize, I know it's God's voice. But this, what I'm being asked to do, doesn't seem to fit what this God is telling me to do. So I got to battle with the gods. And Abraham says, oh, goodness. I got to get in the light. Come on, Isaac. Brings the people with them. And so they're coming with them. And so they're thinking, okay, Abraham, this is cool. We've done sacrifice. You've got the goat. You've got the ram. You've done it before. We're coming. And all of a sudden, they get to a place in the mountain where God says, okay, now you got to separate. Oh, come on. That you can't bring everybody with you. Because when God is sharing his light, you can't bring everybody with you. And so here it is now that Abraham goes up the mountain now and he goes ahead. He's about to sacrifice. And then God stops and says, no, don't kill him. Now I know you want to please me. Come on. Now I know you want to walk in the light. Can I teach things like I want to teach you? Come on. Here was Moses. Get up the mountain, Moses. Come on. I'm going to give you a revelation. Moses comes down the mountain shining bright. Why? Because he's been in the presence of God. I will follow the light. If the light tells me to sacrifice, I will sacrifice. If the light tells me to get up the mountain, I'm going to go to the mountain. Here it was. They were on the mountain of transfiguration. And here he's transfigured. 
this is the season for us to get to the mountain and to shine our life because the Bible says the city upon a hill come on can be seen it is time we get excuse me to the mountain it is time that we take our journey up to the mountain with our light shining so bright so people will see the good works and glorify God which is in heaven will you follow the light we can't wait for next Sunday to make this commitment. The world is getting darker. Come on, somebody. Confusion everywhere. We need the church to rise up and be the light of God Almighty. That we don't compromise. Truth is truth and lie is lie. I don't care what side of the aisle you are on. Truth is truth and lie is lie. Good God Almighty, come on. Are you entangled? Come on, say, set me free, God. I can't shine if I'm tangled. No, no, no. Father, in Jesus' name, I will follow the light. I will follow the light. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Come on. I will follow the light. My last points. I'm closing my iPad and my Bible. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That's, that's why. That's why. Oh, thank you. That's why he told me he's releasing wisdom. That's why he told me he's releasing wisdom when we began. Remember I said, those who want wisdom, God's releasing wisdom. Now he showed me, I will follow the light. Now he tells me this now, watch this now, because when we talk about the wise men going to see baby Jesus, it wasn't when he was born. It was, come on, that had to be at least, had to be at least, uh, what, nine months? At least that or two years. And they come now and they go to King Herod and they say, hey, hey, we've seen the light and we want to come and worship him. Oh, come on, come on. We bring things. You think Jesus was in poverty? No, baby. There were kings coming to him with things. There's a dark place over there. But I see the light, and I'm following the light. I'm following the light. I'm following the light. My God Almighty. I will follow the light. I will follow the light. Church, we've been anointed to speak to kings. Hey, shaka ba We've been called. We've been called to speak to kings. We've been called to speak to presidents. We've been called to speak to Congress. We've been called. Open up your mouth and shine your light for God's sake. Come on. This is the season for us to say, I've seen the light. And I've come to worship him. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Some of you, there is a transition you need to go through. That you must ask God for wisdom in this season. To shine your light. You need wisdom. My God, my God, come on. Shine your light on my marriage. Shine your light on my family. Shine your light on my finance. Shine your light, God. This is the season for you to shine. Have a spine. Come on. Be able to stand in authority, recognizing that God is God. This is your season. Let your business shine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's time to do the impossible because you serve a God that with all God, with God, all things are possible. I want to pray for somebody. Come on.